0: is nightline tonight when a high school sweetheart is the prime suspect a teenage girl discovered dead her boyfriend arrested
1: because they have nothing else to go on and i'm the boyfriend
0: nearly two decades later the evidence that changed everything
1: you know i'm I'm an innocent man and innocent people don't go to jail
0: why questions still remain
2: if he's claiming he wasn't with her at night after nine o'clock but we can show he was with her what's he hiding
0: One mother in mourning as one man walks free. So who killed Leah Freeman? Whoever did this needs to pay. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. Young love of the decades-old murder mystery. The shocking death of a teenage student rocking a small community in Oregon. Now her boyfriend, once found guilty of killing her, sitting down for his first and only interview ever since his conviction was overturned. Why he maintains his innocence to this day.
1: I just figured, you know, the truth will come out. You know, I'm, I'm an innocent man, and innocent people don't go to jail. What do you think this is all about? They said it's for the murder of Leah Freeman. Did you do it? No, I didn't do it. They have nothing else to go on, and I'm the boyfriend. This
3: afternoon, the body of a teenage female, tentatively identified as Leah Freeman,
2: was discovered. Whoever did this... It's to pay. If he's claiming he wasn't with her, but we can show he was with her, what's he hiding? I had met Leah
1: when I was walking through the gym. She was a freshman and I was a senior. Leah was like a sparkle.
4: He was always in love in a way, you know, he always had a
2: girl, the girls liked him. He was definitely a flirt. He was kind of into every girl.
5: But he did seem like he really cared about her.
2: He seemed like an okay kind of guy. But still, the age difference was there. And then I found out that they were um, being sexually active. And that was disturbing.
1: I'll never forget that date. It started out like any normal day.
5: I hadn't seen her for a while. We were still really good friends, but we just didn't hang out as much because she was with Nick a lot.
2: She was at Sherry's and she wanted to go jogging and asked Sherry to go with her. Sherry asked her mom and her mom said no, because every time you do, Nick comes and picks Leah up and you end up walking home alone. So Leah heard that and I guess she got mad and
5: started to walk
2: off. She
4: was petted toward the high school, spotted by numerous witnesses along the way.
5: The next witness says that around 9.30 p.m., she sees Leah standing outside a payphone, and there are two men arguing nearby. Next time we see Leah, she's standing outside the gas station, and that's the last time that anyone sees Leah. Several minutes later, the witness hears a high-pitched scream.
1: It was nine o'clock. I went to go over to Sherry's to go get Leah. I asked her where Leah was.
5: She's probably walking home. You know, I'm sure that if you just drive to her house, you'll find her. So Nick gets back into his car and starts driving through the town of Coquille looking for Leah.
2: He did call the house shortly after 10 that night. He said, is Leah there? And I said, Leah? No. Isn't she with you? And he goes, well, he goes, it's all right. Don't worry. I'm going to go find her and I'll bring her home.
1: I mean, I even talked to police twice that night. My headlight was out, and I got pulled over for it both times. I told him that I you know, was looking for my girlfriend. I decided to go by Leah's house one more time. And I saw a glare on her, on her window, thought it was her TV. Back then, it was 2000. It's not like she could send me a text. She couldn't call me on a cell phone. So I thought she was home, and I went home after that.
2: And I looked in her room, and her bed was empty.
1: Leah's mom Cory calls at like 7.30 or 8 in the morning the next day.
2: I said, where's Leah? She's not here. He goes, she didn't come home last night? And I said, no, where is she? He goes, I don't know.
1: I went into town as, as quick as I could. I talked to Corey, we went down to the police department and we filed a missing persons report. The police basically told us that Leah was probably a runaway. I knew something was wrong. This girl had no reason to run away. I don't remember what date it was. The police called me, they wanted to talk to me. So of course, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna help them.
3: Today is June 30th, it is 13, 48 hours.
1: How would you characterize her person? When she's around me, I don't know, she just seems really like. bright and happy-go-lucky and giggly. She's just a really good person. I started to have my concerns when I kind of started, I guess, trying to twist my words.
3: And the night that Leah disappeared, it's about 11.40. The mechanic worked the swing shift. He's driving home, and he saw a shoe lying on the road that person came forward with the shoe. We showed it to uh, Leah's sister. She said, I think that's her shoe.
4: Then, on the 4th of July, her other shoe is discovered and it's got blood on it.
5: The distance from where the left shoe was found on Hudson Ridge, back to the town of Coquille is about 10 miles stretch.
3: When we had that second shoe with her blood on it, I think everybody felt that uh, this was not going to end well. The body of a teenage female, tentatively identified as Leah Freeman, was discovered.
0: The body was in uh, bad, bad condition.
2: It was August 3rd. I'd gone out to Laverne Park, and all of a sudden, a Coquille City cop pulled in. He said, "Corey, I um." Said they found her.
1: I remember the exact moment and I broke down. I just remember that specific moment in time. That's the saddest moment that I've ever gone through.
5: Fifteen-year-old Leah Freeman vanished off the streets of Coquille five weeks ago. Her death is being treated as a homicide, but investigators are saying little else. I think that everybody was quick to point fingers at Nick because he's the most likely person being her boyfriend. Police
4: just aren't able to make any kind of a case stick.
3: As time went by, it slowly became a cold case.
4: Fast forward eight years, a new
0: sheriff comes into town and he wants to look into the case
3: we looked at every
2: person that was identified as a possible suspect in this case and then we went forward no matter which way we went at the end of the day it came back to nick mcguffin
6: we're going to stop by mr mcguffin's residence and see if he's
2: around we've interviewed over a hundred almost 200 people in the last six months
4: with all these witnesses coming forward police say they're getting information that appears to contradict what Nick has said all along that he had not seen Leah after he dropped her off at her girlfriend's house around seven o'clock
1: I basically drove everywhere for that four hours looking for her and I didn't see her once
2: we have several witnesses that actually placed Nick with Leah after nine o'clock if he's claiming he wasn't with her and after 9 o'clock, but we can show he was with her. What's he hiding?
6: With the 10th anniversary of Leah Freeman's disappearance and death just days away, authorities here in Coquille say they're now closer than ever to bringing justice to this case.
3: I decided to take it to the grand jury. They called over 110 witnesses. And after presenting all this evidence, they came back and said, we think Nick did it, we think he ought to be charged.
1: It was a normal day at work, and I had forgotten a recipe at my house, so I ran home real quick. Noticed I was being followed. When I pulled up to my mailbox, cars everywhere.
6: Separate feet. What do you think this is all about?
1: Well, obviously they said it's for the murder of Leah Freeman. Did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Love of my life, man. Why do they think you did it? I have nothing else to go on, I'm the boyfriend. When I got arrested, it felt like a nightmare that I was trying to wake up from. But I never woke up.
0: When we come back, Nick's nightmare comes
6: alive in court.
4: And what, if anything, did the defendant
1: tell you? That I strangle that bitch and I strangle
3: you too.
6: You see headlines across your screen all day, but you're busy. What do you need to know? What's actually shaping your world? I'm Brad Milkey from ABC News, and every morning we start here. It was extraordinary for us watching here in Singapore. This is ABC's new daily podcast, a handful of stories, just 20 minutes. Director Comey, thanks for being with us. Newsmakers, smart reporting, taking you straight to the heart of the story. Start here. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.
4: On July 7, 2011, 11 years after Leah was killed, a murder trial is finally underway.
6: Nick stated he last saw Leah when he dropped her off at her best friend's house.
0: In court, prosecutors call witness after witness trying to convict Nick McGuffin of murder and manslaughter charges for the killing of Leah Freeman. See them together.
3: I did. This timing was important because it put a hole in Nick's story, is what it did. I argued what happened was they got into an argument, it got physical, and it went bad from there.
4: The state's case against Nick is that he was very, very upset that Leah was going to break up with him.
0: He tries to
3: get her into the car. She loses a shoe. She screams, and in an effort to keep her quiet, or in anger, she strangled.
0: Then a witness for the prosecution claims Nick confessed to the murder.
4: Mr. Brakefield, was there a confrontation with the defendant? Several. And what, if anything, did the defendant tell you?
1: That I strangle that bitch, and I'll strangle you too. David Brakefield was never one of my friends. Um. He had dated my daughter's mother for a little bit. Um, I know I never said anything like that. The biggest problem for Breakfield in his testimony
6: is the eight-year gap between the time he says it happened and the time he tells the authorities. If he
0: made that statement to you, weren't you curious enough to start talking to people
6: about who it was he would have killed? No, sir. He didn't care who he killed. I just tried to stay as far away from the situation as I could.
4: There was no DNA evidence tying him to Leah. There was no evidence in his car. There was just nothing physically to show that he, in fact, did this, and there wasn't any reason for him to do it.
1: But if convicted of murder, Nick could
0: face life behind bars.
1: I remember looking down in my mind, I probably was asking God for help. I was praying for the right answer.
0: As to count one murder, we find the defendant not guilty. The answer to his prayers, a not guilty verdict on the main charge of murder. As to the lesser included offense of manslaughter in the first
6: degree, we find the defendant guilty.
1: I think I nearly jumped out of my seat. I mean, it was almost like a lightning bolt had hit me. In this case, there's even more incentive for the prosecutor to request a manslaughter charge.
4: And it's because Oregon has this quirky law.
6: Because for murder, you need a unanimous verdict. And in Oregon, for manslaughter, you can have two holdouts.
4: We found out that it was 10 in favor of guilt and two in favor of acquittal.
6: If this happened in any other state today, with two jurors unwilling to convict, it would end up in a hung jury.
4: Nick was sentenced to 10 years.
0: Behind bars for a crime he says he did not commit. Little did Nick McGuffin know that a guardian angel was about to come to the rescue.
5: There's several other organizations that deal with wrongful convictions. Wrote to every one of them. That was probably 2015 and that's when the Oregon Innocence Project finally took his case. I had a really strong sense that Nick was innocent because of the evidence that I was looking at. It didn't make sense to me. There's no blood, no hairs, no fibers, no DNA connecting this crime to Nick.
4: Police told 2020 in 2010 that the shoe that had the blood on it was found right in town on
5: North Elm Street.
6: Her shoe was found by the road here um, with blood on it. That night? That night.
5: That shoe that was found on North Elm Street had no blood on it. And instead, there was a shoe that was found 10 miles away out in the woods that had blood stains on it. There were over 20 witnesses who saw Nick driving around that night looking for Leah. He doesn't have time to commit this crime when you actually look at this.
3: Well, we had one eyewitness uh, that put him and her together near the Mitchell place around 9 o'clock.
5: We know that that can't be true because we have documentation of another witness who sees Leah walk by the ATM and the police officers go out to that ATM and pull those records and confirm that that is 9.04 p.m. They created an entire theory to convict a man based on evidence that's just wrong.
0: Then, a shocking discovery, bolstering Nick's claim of innocence.
5: We were surprised when we looked at the raw data from the original DNA testing back in 2000. There was actually DNA from an unidentified male found on both of Leah's shoes, her right shoe and her left shoe. That was a huge moment for our case. Back in 2000, that was the infancy of our DNA testing. The analyst at the time chose not to actually call out that potential male DNA because she couldn't decide what it was, because it was at a very, very low level. If the jury in 2011 knew that there was DNA of an unidentified male on the victim's blood-stained shoe, the jury would have acquitted. There is no doubt in my mind.
6: McGuffin's new attorney made the argument that under the law, they were required to turn over this evidence from the lab and they didn't. And that that failure should lead at least to a new trial.
4: It's our top story in Oregon judge ruled that state police did not reveal DNA evidence that would have exonerated him.
6: After more than 8 years, the judge overturns Nick McGuffin's conviction. Just because the judge throws out the conviction does not mean that Nick McGuffin is going to be a free man.
4: Judge Sullivan sends that case right back to the DA's office to make a decision, new trial or not.
3: We made the decision of, no, don't go forward.
5: It was wonderful seeing him, knowing he was free. When you do this wrongful conviction work, you live for the moment. You get to walk an innocent client out of prison. And we got that moment with Nick after 20 years of fighting to prove his innocence.
0: 20 years later, and still no one else has been arrested for Leah Freeman's death.
2: I want justice. I want for whoever killed her to pay for it. Because they've been walking free for years, and it's just wrong.
0: Nick McGuffin served nine years for a crime he says he did not commit. Then he moved back
1: to his hometown. Trying to get my life back. I had an idea of what it was going to be like. And I I was wrong. It's not, it's not easy. Um, it's, It's actually really hard. I'm an innocent man. I remain an innocent man.
0: That's Nightline for this evening. Thanks for the company, America. Good night.
6: Have a great weekend. Okay, so when the New York Times calls you one of the eight news podcasts worth listening to, well, you just say thank you. So go on. Start smart with Start Here, the ABC News Daily Podcast. Take us with you. Listen to us now, free on Apple Podcasts.